1: Where would rather be than right here? Right now! The
2: Rock Pile Report with Buffalo Bill's season ticket holder Drew Gear. Be
1: aggressive, you have literally nothing to lose. You're a borderline football team. If I don't keep laughing about this stuff, my teeth are gonna turn around and devour my brain. The Bills make me wanna <laughs> To another edition of the Rock Pile Report Podcast. I am your host, Bill Season ticket holder Drew Gear. That's my producer, Chris Kruger. And folks, I gotta tell you, there was a whole lot of slander from people on social media yesterday about the release of the NFL schedule. Chris, I don't understand that. No, I
2: don't I don't get it.
1: I don't get it either. A certain group of smart people who all decided that it was funny to crack wise about, I can't believe people care so much about the bill's schedule. Or, we already know when they play, what does it matter? Or my personal favorite, do the dates or order of the games really matter to you guys? Like, what? Like some elitist nonsense.
2: The never, order definitely matters.
1: Never mind the fact that many of the people saying this stuff are the same jerks who fawn over mock drafts. Sure, the dates we play the games don't matter, but fake draft picks do. That's rich. Those people can take a seat and get comfy, strap in, knowing that this entire podcast is their fault. Because it's a celebration, baby. It's a party. Hey,
2: guys. You ready to let the dogs
1: out? Who's ready, Chris? Are you fired up? What are you drinking?
2: Here, when you it's a whiskey sour. Uh, I saw you
1: put an egg in that. I'm not there's fucking drinking egg
2: white. You drank it before? Yeah,
1: begrudgingly. Yeah, and you liked it. And I will and you not couldn't do it acknowledge again. it. I will not do it again.
2: This and is how you. This is how you do a whiskey sour.
1: It's the 2021 schedule release party, ladies and gentlemen. Despite the internet naysayer's opinions, and yeah, Anthony Prohaska in a disguise coverage over there, cover one. I'm talking to you, you sarcastic sob. There's legitimate reasons for people like us to agonize over the fine details of the schedule. First of all, unlike damn near every other Bills content creator out there, specifically the bigger ones, we live here. (laughs) We're the only ones who are also season ticket holders. Chris, I I think we're unique in that regard.
2: Yeah. That's why it says at the start. With Buffalo Bills season ticket holder <laughs> Drew Gear,
1: that presents a whole slew of challenges that that are unique to folks like us who don't just sit alone on a couch with our wives or locked away in our offices watching football every Sunday, surrounded by mahogany. Smart people, my ass. I, Chris. It's important to us to know this. I mean, identifying based on the timing of games what kind of seasonal equipment we're going to need. I bought that DeWalt heater. We never got to use it. Yeah. But I bought it seeing all the December games. I go, okay, we're going to need a legitimate heater this year. And I went out and bought a legitimate DeWalt worksite heater. That thing pumps, it's incredible. Tents, extra walls, tarps, zip ties. I do all of this. I mean, I, I need to know what I need to stock up on before the season for tailgating. I and mean, in case in point, I've kicked around the idea, depending on how many warm weather games we're supposed to have, of buying a misting fan. You know, at the fair, you walk into a tent when it's too hot and it's just a tent full of mist. And for like 10 bucks, you pay a fee and you have a bracelet, and whatever you want to, you can just walk in there. Get misted, cool down, go on your way. And you just get to enjoy the fair for the rest of the afternoon. Now, I know that sounds like some podunk nonsense to some of you out there. But I want to do this for my tailgate because, Chris, you and I have been to some ridiculously hot football games. (laughs) Denver. I think three of the hottest Bills games on record have come when you and I. There was the one game where the people from Canada, we were all guys. Yeah, Pat Cleary. You know me. No, no, no. Uh, the the uh, other guys from Canada they are friends with Melissa Stitt and Ellie and those guys, they came down from Canada. Jason Beatty and his other friend, uh, I think Tyler's his name. He's, he has hair that could rival yours. Please. And w- it was so hot the day of the Denver game that tailgating, I was trying to drink a beer while I was grilling hot dogs and hamburgers, and it, it, I just couldn't drink anymore. And we all ended up hiding under the shade of our of our tent. It was the most miserable tailgate of my life. Well, missed fans can change the world in that regard. We'll have the most rocking tailgate ever because no one will be too warm. Chris, this is the forward thinking that makes our tailgate elite. I also need to figure out who's attending and when. Something that we're going to get into a little more detail this offseason with some of you guys in ways that you're going to enjoy. Because... We here at the Rockpile Report are going to have a ton of season uh, our season tickets up for grabs, and I'd like to run a few contests and see if we can't get some people to come get the Drew Gear experience.
2: Yeah, this would be <laughs>
1: Chris's face. Yeah. he says it.
2: Yeah, for those that would like to have for Drew, if he had only OnlyFans, you you attending a game with Drew, you'll you'll get the experience.
1: Uh, it's incredible, considering. I, <laughs> Chris, considering all of these things, I mean, we we have to get tailgate plans in order for people who might be stopping by, people from out of town, people from out of the country. I need to know what the layout of these games are. You have your own reasons for needing to understand the schedule. Why don't you tell the listeners a little yeah, bit about it? my work schedule. I work
2: Saturday and Sunday, 7 a.m. to p.m., so... The one game I thought I was going to go to, and I I guess I can't count correctly because I didn't see the actual date, was I thought I was going to be able to go to the Atlanta game, but the 26th, the day after Christmas, would technically be the only game I'd be able to go to, but we're on the road at New England. So I don't know (laughs) if I will make a game this year.
1: You might miss the whole season.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Well, I got a pretty sweet job, so... (laughs) I, I got to make that money.
1: And that's why these dates are important to us. And also, it's just fun. And I'm, gonna let these, I'm not going to let these nerds take that away from me. I do what I want. And I'll drink to that. Raise a glass, sir.
2: Whiskey sour with egg white in it.
1: <laughs> now, typically, the NFL schedule gets released sometime between the 20th and the 30th of April. I know this because typically before the draft, I like to think of it as like a birthday present from the NFL to me. Thanking me for being such a loyal friend to them. This year, though, I mean, we should have anticipated that it would get delayed, right? Yeah. Considering everything's been bar in terms of NFL events from uh, fans at Ralph Wilson Stadium during the most impressive performance our team's put on in decades— to the combine and everything in between. So it would make sense that the release of the schedule would also be delayed. Thanks, COVID. But like, they have a lot on their plate, these schedule makers. They gotta try to figure out what states are open to have enough fans in this fans in the stands. Like that's one thing that's being kicked around now. So like some teams are gonna have an unfair advantage of having a full stadium well, some teams are still going to be under like, hey, you can only have thirty thousand, you can only have twenty thousand, or if you're the Dolphins, only ten thousand are going to show up anyway because you're the Dolphins.
2: <laughs> yeah, the uh, well, Sal Capaccio, WGR, had on his podcast Mike North, the VP of Scheduling, a couple weeks ago. So, th- if you are if you've already listened to it, you kind of got the hint from Mike North that uh, we were going to be in for some primetime games. So.
1: Okay. Well, I think some of what the schedule makers had to contend with, too, is player-related stuff. Like, look at this. No one was sure what the hell Aaron Rodgers is going to do. And that could take chunks of the schedule and make them wholly irrelevant while taking some random 1 p.m. Sunday afternoon game and boost its profile. Like, if he gets traded to... Where's a place that... Because here's the thing. I've heard it said, Tyler Long over at GoLongTD.com, he... Has talked. He's written extensively about how there's no better place for him to go. He's in this rare place where, if you're Deshaun Watson, you're a young quarterback with term who's not a bona fide Hall of Famer. The problem is with Aaron Rodgers. There's no better situation for him to move on to. I mean, Deshaun Watson has a is a, a terrible football team around him. Damn. Aaron Rodgers has a team that played in the NFC Championship game last year.
2: Denver seems like the likely landing spot for Rodgers.
1: But is that better? Now you're in the same division as Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Is that better? And
2: Justin Herbert. Is that better? It's better for you and I, people that watch football.
1: True, fair. But is it better for Aaron Rodgers from a competitive standpoint? Is he going to get... Because his frustration is he doesn't think the team is doing enough to win. So you're going to go, what, play for an also-ran? I don't see that happening.
2: Well, if you go to... Denver, you're essentially trading out Devontae Adams for Jerry Judy. So what's...
1: Because Devontae Adams has proven he can do it.
2: And Jerry Judy hasn't yet.
1: No. And that's my point. Like, it doesn't get much better. Yet the schedule makers have to take that into account to a certain degree. They got to go, wait a minute. Yeah, if you look... What if he actually holds out? We can't put them on primetime early because what happens if Blake Bortles, the newly signed Blake Bortles, is making his NFL resurgence behind the like in a Packers uniform. That's a travesty.
2: Yeah, says the guy that thought they would go to the Super Bowl a couple of years ago.
1: Not because of him, but because of that defense. I didn't I didn't think that Jalen Ramsey and the rest of that all star defense would just fold the way they did.
2: Well the uh Sally's. the week one schedule, at least for Television, Green Bay's game is 425 on Fox. Also, 425 on Fox is Denver. So regardless, if he gets traded, Fox still gets that Aaron Rodgers rating.
1: Look at you reading the tea leaves. This is incredible. I love it. Chris is doing work on the podcast. Well, ultimately tonight, the NFL laid it on us, and it feels good to finally see it. First of all, when I look around the NFL, before we get into the Buffalo Bills, and know that's why you're all here, but listen, this is my show. You got you're going to have to unless you want to skip forward, you're going to have to listen to me. Every season, even as a Bills fan, there's games outside the AFCs that jump out to you. Just as a guy who loves football. And you say, "Oh shit, I'm watching that game." You know those games, Chris? Yeah. You write them down, or at least you commit them to memory. You're like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I know that that's a football game I want to watch. And a few of them, for me at least, paid dividends last year. Uh, the Browns-Ravens on Monday Night Football in Week 14. That game had everything. High-octane scoring. I mean, it was like a lighter version of the Chiefs-Rams Monday Night Football game a few years ago, where it ended up with 90 total points. Drama in the form of Jackson leaving the field to take a dump only to come back and lead his team on a game-winning field goal drive. Sad Browns fans, which is, to me, <laughs> that alone is worth the price of admission. New England against Seattle week two on Sunday Night Football. I remember I had just installed a Bluetooth receiver on one of my flat screens downstairs, and I hooked my headphones up to him, and that meant I could blare the TV and listen to music simultaneously and booze. And my wife had no idea what was going on upstairs. She's only a hundred she's only 20 feet away from me, 30 feet away from me, up a flight of stairs. And yet she has no idea the chaos that's going down, going on down below her. And I'm watching this game play out, and that was the game I realized that even before COVID was a thing for Cam Newton, New England didn't trust him to be a passer. Right? Yeah. The game-deciding play from six yards out, they go, you know what the best play we have in our arsenal is? A quarterback sneak. And it failed miserably. It was a measuring stick game for New England early in the season. The Cardinals-Seahawks week seven on Sunday Night Football. Another epic offensive explosion. Back-and-forth struggle right to the final bell. One of the NFC's, like, hopefully in the upswing quarterbacks against a member of the established, like, I'm an elite quarterback in football. It went to overtime. There was multiple turnovers. It went down to the wire. It was dramatic. It was a a game with divisional implications. It was a fun football game to watch if you love the sport. And at the same time, there's always going to be a few dogs. The way you get excited for them in the preseason, blow up in your face. I mean, 49ers versus Jets. That was a game that, for some reason, people looked at early on. Pundits across the country said, that's going to be Adam Gase's like, measuring stick game. It was a shot at redemption against a defending Super Bowl team. And it was a 31-13 to blowout. I mean, any game involving the NFC East, you remember what a disaster that was. Yeah. The 2020 NFC East, because of a few late season wins, narrowly avoided the title of worst division in NFL history. And even in that, every trip to primetime was like the Keystone Cops. Daniel Jones tripping over his own feet against the Eagles.
2: Oh, yeah. on that, like, long
1: run it was like 80 <laughs> yards. He ran the way when you look at Daniel Jones, he ran the way I expect him to run. Right. Yeah. Like, you're eventually going to get top heavy. You're, not a, you're an athlete, kind of, but not really. <laughs> Dallas' 28-point loss to the Cardinals that prompted some cholo in Cowboys gear to rip his, toe, what, 55-inch TV off the wall, punch, body slam, and ultimately unload a clip of 9-millimeter rounds into the television while Return of the Mac was blaring in the background. Like, that's, <laughs> you can't make this up. The Eagles sat their quarterback for a rookie in the second half of a game that would have sent them to the playoffs, screwing the Giants in the process. (laughs) And thanks to their cities, here's the the rub, because of their city's giant markets and population sizes, it doesn't matter how much they suck, we're all going to get it foisted upon us. We're getting more of it this year by simple virtue that even when their teams play like the Bad News Bears, they're a massive revenue engine for the league because their markets are so huge. Chris, isn't that frustrating? Yeah, yeah, your teams are all dog shit, but it doesn't matter because you got a lot of eyeballs.
2: Yeah, it's like Dallas, you know, they weren't good last year. So, but they, they get all the primetime games because they're, quote-unquote, America's team. When's the last time Dallas was relevant? Probably when they beat us in the Super Bowl.
1: <laughs> so when I look at the 2021 schedule, there's a few games that jump out to me of each category. First of all, the biggest boom potential. There's a couple. Week 5, Thursday Night Football Rams-Seahawks. It's early in the season. It's the first time the two teams have met. And it's the Seahawks' first look at the Rams with Matt Stafford as their quarterback. Matt Stafford's now had a couple games to get comfortable with the skill players. Yep. I think that that game has the potential to be a lot of fun if you love the game of football.
2: That is... I'm looking at the Thursday night schedule as a whole right now. That could be the best Thursday night game, or we're looking at Week 15 Chiefs at Chargers. That's got that's that potentially also has, potential, has depending on how
1: the rookies play, play, out play, out play the
2: playoff potential, moves. playoff potential. But like for me in my work schedule, like I'll get I'm able to watch Thursday night football and Sunday night football. So like of any you know big boom games. I'm looking at the Thursday night schedule, the Sunday night schedule, which you know we'll get to a, a bus in a second, but bus also include third, all of Thursday night football, really.
1: The other ones that I'm looking at are Christmas Day games. You're going to be able to watch Browns versus Packers and Colts versus Cardinals. Now, listen, guys, I'm gonna I'm gonna share a secret with you. On Christmas Day, I'm not a. <laughs> for a few days out of the year. And Christmas is one of the two or three of them. So it's funny that there's also going to be football games played on a day, football games played by teams that I'm actively rooting against. It almost seems like a conflict of interest, right? Here's a day that I've intentionally set aside in my head where I am almost the the ideal human being. I'm good-natured. I try to help people. I try to do nice things for people. I genuinely am friendly to everyone, unless you're my brothers and you try to fist fight me in the kitchen, in which case it gets documented by my mother and we put it on Facebook.
2: I'm not too—I'm soured on Christmas Day games, and it's from last season, because I made it to the fantasy football finals and had to go up against Alvin Kamara, who had, I think, six touchdowns. In a, in a Christmas Day game. So
1: he uh, pooped in your stocking? Oh, 100%. <laughs> I don't
2: know that I can stomach Christmas Day games anymore.
1: What I'll say is that those, both of those teams, Browns-Packers, that's probably the most attractive, right? Yeah. But Colts-Cardinals, Browns-Packers, those are both conference opponents who are supposed to be in the mix for the playoffs. Yeah. They could both easily lose those games.
2: Yeah, if Aaron Rodgers isn't in Green Bay, and what if I mean it's Cleveland? They're the mistake on the lake. What if they get the injury bug this season?
1: Who knows? What I do know is that those games have the potential to be a fun watch on a day when I'm just in a good mood and I want to get. I actively am trying to get along with everybody. I feel like that could be a fun experience for me as a human being, not even just a football fan, but as a human being. Then we've got the group that has the biggest bust potential. Boy,
0: that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. It jumped up a notch. It did, didn't it?
1: That's how every fan feels in the aftermath of these games. I mean, Chris, we talked about... Th- Think about this. When you looked at the schedule, if you're one of these lunatic Jets fans who thought that your team was going to be competitive last year because, well, case Can't possibly do worse than he did last year. And then he said, hold my beer. (laughs) You didn't know that you'd be going on Monday Night Football up against a New England team that was similarly terrible. And that you would that Joe Flacco would find a way to intercept you to to a loss. Like, he would he would, he would, would care for most of the game, but ultimately when it came down to it, he's going to throw a lazy pick and just not give a damn because he's just cashing his checks and eventually waiting to retire.
2: Yeah. My, for me, biggest bust potential game that I'm going to get to watch, and I'm only looking at Thursday and Sunday night games because those are the games that I'll be able to watch live. One early on Thursday night football, week four, Bengals at Jaguars. On paper that Ooh. that paper that looks kind of good, Burrow against Lawrence. It but has is Joe is Joe Burrow it's week four. Is Joe Burrow gonna be healthy? Is Trevor Lawrence gonna come out, you know, from the gate, banging on all cylinders in September in the NFL with a coach that's never been in the NFL that has potential to be a really shitty game.
1: That could be a dog. That thing could blow up in everyone's faces and be one of those games that has me just... It has me watching Bar Rescue reruns. That's what that game looks like. One of my favorites is opening night. Tampa Bay against Dallas. Brady apparently gets the Big Ten opening week treatment by the NFL for an absolute, just an absolute layup out of the gate. I mean, there was rumors all over social media in the last week that perhaps Buffalo might be the team to play Tom Brady to open 2021. It was down to three teams, Buffalo, Dallas, and the New York Giants. And ultimately, the league decided to go with a powerhouse matchup of entertaining, well-coached, well-quarterbacked NFC rivals. (laughs) I can't even talk about it with a straight face. That's hysterical. What a, what a disaster. I mean, I'll
2: lay out how this game happened. I know a lot of I know a lot of I know a lot of people wanted it to be Tampa and Buffalo opening night. So if you're the VP of scheduling Mike North, you call NBC and you go, "All right, for the home opening game, we're looking at the Giants Buffalo and Dallas as your options. And NBC goes, we can get the Giants out of there.
1: So, the, the, let, we've let, see, Hey, we've seen Daniel Jones try to run down the field. We don't need more of that.
2: Yeah, so so NBC, the execs at NBC go, all right, well, Dallas and Buffalo, that seems to be like the two. Uh, we'll get back to you on which, we'll tell you which one that we prefer. So then NBC, their executives, they have a, a Zoom call with some of their production staff about Do we do Tampa Dallas? Do we do Tampa Buffalo? So they get on a Zoom call, and because you got to have storylines for this one. So, you know, somebody in the Zoom meeting raises their hand and goes, "Well, uh, you know, Tampa's offense is really good, and Dallas, their defense was garbage, and they brought in Dan Quinn. You know, is how their the Dallas defense repair? That's a storyline. Ah, great idea. And then somebody else chimes in in the meeting and goes, "Have you seen Brady's record against Buffalo all time?" I think he's got like one loss. And then NBC is like, that, ooh, that could be, that's, that's an interesting stat for a storyline. And then, uh, somebody goes, well, you know, it's all about the quarterbacks. Dallas has Dak Prescott coming back from, from injury. That's a, that's a good storyline. And then somebody else raises their hand in the Zoom meeting and then they go, hey, uh, Bills fans threw Brady's dildo on the field.
1: <laughs> Dallas! <laughs> it's gonna be Dallas. <laughs>
2: Dallas, we want Dallas. Dallas opening night. That—that's how that happened. (laughs) NBC went right back to the NFL and go. We're gonna—we're gonna go with Dallas. We don't want somebody from Bills Mafia in Tampa throwing a dildo on the field.
1: There's no Marylands allowed on Sunday Night Football. Listen, this is an American broadcast. We're a Family Network. That's actually pretty funny, Chris. That might be one of the funniest. That might be one of the funniest things you've ever said in front of me. And you've said you've had some doozies, but that game is going to be a laugher. Dallas is a mess. Their defense stinks on ice. Their quarterback's working back from one of the grosser leg injuries I've seen from a quarterback. I
2: think I changed the channel I mean, when I, was too I saw young, it.
1: I was too young for Joe Theismann. This one's pretty bad. I mean, I love the NFL, but this is a game that's going to have me in bed by ten o'clock. Week three, Thursday Night Football Carolina against Houston. This is a primetime game that could feature Sam Darnold versus Tyrod Taylor in a non-divisional, non-conference game. What a draw! Ooh. That game looks like an absolute dog, just on the merits that either neither quarterback can throw a wide receiver open. Neither defense is good or has a great skill position group. Like, the team doesn't have any great wide receivers, either one of them. And if ghosts somehow work their way into the stadium, we might finish this with zero touchdown passes. Great. Thanks for putting that in front of the entire country. I mean, maybe, I'd say, I'd argue, maybe, just for argument's sake, the quality of the defenses will result in a fun shootout, but I think this has disaster written all over it. And I'd also say anything involving the Packers and Aaron Rodgers, especially early in the season. Early in the year, if you're going to go, hey, the Packers on prime time, and what if Aaron Rodgers decides to flex his muscles a little? What are you going to do? He goes, hey, find me. Guess what? I made $40 million last year. I'll see you in hell. He pays his fine, but he... But the team stakes an 0-3 record behind Jordan Love. <laughs> and then he comes back week four and goes, all right, assholes, I'm ready to play some football. Are you ready? Let's do this. I think I've proved my point, but also I don't want to not be in the playoffs. <laughs> I feel like anything, like you don't know how that situation is going to play out. You, I, I'm already looking at every game they're involved with as a potential dog. <sighs> But enough about the NFL. How about the reason we're here? I mean, Chris, how many minutes into this podcast are we?
2: Half hour-ish. Jesus. Somewhere like that. Half right, hour. Let's,
1: let's make it happen, Captain. The 2021 Buffalo Bills schedule review. First of all, in the Robs of the 2020 NFL season, people made note that the Bills had one of the most difficult schedules in the NFL based on this traditional idea of strength of schedule, as did most of the AFC East. And ultimately, the Bills won 13 of those games. And I think that that underscores the fact that the traditional model for strength of schedule is kind of broken, considering how little you can predict about the overall quality of a given team. That might make a game look harder on paper in September than it looks in December. Kind of like our our Monday Night Football game against San Francisco.
0: Yeah, right.
1: You didn't
2: know what you like. Going you didn't in, know San Francisco was going to have all those injuries. Uh,
1: instead of taking on the defending Super Bowl champs in their home stadium. We played a beat-up team that was starting Nick Mullins at quarterback in Arizona because their state wouldn't let them play there. Like that—that's a—that's a a mess. What I like to do is I look at two factors because strength of schedule, just based on the previous year's record, doesn't mean anything to me. I look at elite coaches and elite quarterbacks. In my opinion, those two facets of a team dictate more about the outcome of games than almost any other factor. In twenty twenty one. The Bills shape up much better in that regard. I mean, you look at our schedule, four of our five games come against rookie quarterbacks. Jacksonville, the Jets twice. And I'd say New England once, depending on how that holds. Maybe twice. Depending on whether by December the Patriots are in contention.
2: Who knows about that? You don't even know who they're... Quarterback's gonna be
1: and maybe six, depending on whether or not Sam Darnold can stop playing ball like he's a first year quarterback. <laughs> I mean, the reason that's important, I joke about it, but the reason it's important, I mean, look at this Bill Belichick is 21 and six against rookie quarterbacks. It's impressive. Well, here's why if you're a good coach who can coach defense well. Then what happens is that when you play a rookie quarterback, they come into the league with a certain set of skills that, hey, I do X, Y. Like, hey, I do A, B, and C well. Here are my three skill sets. And the second you get tape on them and you figure out how they manufacture that, then you can take those things away and force them to try to do ABC. A, B is taken away. D, E, and F. And the problem with rookies is they have a very hard time pivoting to those things. You know, if hey Justin Fields, the knock on him is hey he doesn't read the whole field. He's kind of he goes through one or two reads and then he starts to rely on his athleticism. Who does that sound like? As a rookie, I got one Josh read. I got, yeah, and his first year was a mess, wasn't it? Yeah specifically against the Patriots and other good football teams because they knew how to mitigate the thing. Say, hey, we're going to take away your running. We're going to take away the things you do well. We're going to make you do the thing you can't do, which is throw into the deep secondary with accuracy. And they won those games. In that way, playing rookies when you're a good football team, (laughs) you can take them away. Also, the Bills have five games against first-time head coaches. People don't think that matters. How many rookie head coaches do you remember? I mean, Sean McDermott had moments, right? Yeah, we love Sean McDermott, but he had a stretch in the middle of that season after going five and three that had me like PTSD style, going back to what, what was it? I want to say, like uh, Rex Ryan's first year, where we started hot and then just fell apart, missed the playoffs.
2: Yeah, that's when we had that that uh, that we had that stretch where we got blown out by
1: the Saints. By everybody, I mean the streaker in that game had more rushing yards than our offense. Yeah, that's an, that, it's a, it was an embarrassing stretch. First time head coaches will hit bumps in the road. Uh, usually, it comes against competitive, well coached football teams. So if you think that's who you are, then playing five games against first time head coaches. That seems pretty good, right? Yeah. And then you only have six game only six games with quarterbacks who have a career playoff win to their credit. Again, underscoring it. This 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 is a soft schedule for the Buffalo Bills. Last year was much more difficult by comparison. I think if ESPN were to rerun last offseason's roster and coaching continuity metrics, the, kind of like that article, we we did a whole show on it, right? The Chiefs, like the continuity things and talking oh, about yeah. the, the Bills and the Chiefs were tied. The Bills would probably finish on top if ESPN were to run that article again. They have a solid leg up in terms of being the first team not playing in Foxborough to win the AFC East in back-to-back seasons since 1990-1991. I think just based on those components alone. So with that in mind, let's take a look at the layout of things and the Bills games themselves. First of all, me as a fan, I immediately look at, when is New England? When do I get New England at home? It's the game I've annually looked for the second the schedule comes out. It's like the Green Street Hooligans, when all the West Ham fans are listening to the radio to see if they've drawn their arch-rivals Millwall in the upcoming playoff game. It's not as exciting without Brady there, but old habits for me die hard. And I got robbed last year. I mean, I didn't get to boo, heckle, or raz Cam Newton. I didn't get to talk trash. And I, I got showered with champagne while standing in my driveway when we won that. If we had been in the stadium, the explosion from that crowd would have been incredible.
2: I think if we had fans last year for that New England game... I bet there was a strong chance, based on how our season had gone, that I could have gotten you to dress up like Cam
1: Newton. That's that's entirely possible. You in a romper, a Bill's romper. <laughs> that might be the only time yeah. I would wear a romper, is if it's, if it's to make fun of Cam Newton.
2: Yeah, a, a romper, and then also we'd give you like a like I don't know what kind of hats they are, but it's the kind of Oh, it's kind a of wide brim fedora. Yeah, it's like the or it's like the the one from Jim Carrey wears when he robs the bank and then goes to the nightclub in, in, the, the, mask? in the mask. That that type of yellow hat with a feather in it Isn't and in a, a romper.
1: What about the dude from uh, Curious George? The man in the yellow hat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here's what I'll say. In that regard, compared to my hatred of New England, I'm intrigued and a little annoyed that i got to wait till freaking December to see the Patriots. I mean, what's with this? I think it's the schedule makers trying to preserve some divisional mystique on the off chance New England has a good start to their season. And they're also trying to protect New England from falling behind in the division too early and their players checking out like they did last year. I mean, that's just me being petty, but... Eh. It's a frustration I'm going to have to live with, but it it chaps my ass a little bit. Another topic that's been on every Bills fan's mind is the number of primetime games. Now, people love primetime games, and I understand why. National TV, getting to see your favorite players on the biggest stages. And for some people, they feel like it serves as recognition that your team is either really good or at a minimum fun to watch by people who aren't fans of your team.
2: But also, it's like people like, for people like Bruce Nolan, who doesn't go to a Bills backers bar, doesn't have ticket, it's on national TV, you can just watch it in the comfort of your own home.
1: That's also fair. So I proposed this question to Twitter. The Bills had four scheduled primetime games last year. Kansas City, Pittsburgh, New England, and San Francisco. Considering we finished 13-3, just one game shy of the Super Bowl. How many primetime games does Bill's Mafia think we'll get in 2021? And I qualified primetime by saying the only we were would be the only game on primetime only- on TV at that moment. I thought that there would be more nuance to this. I thought that by setting the bar, the under over at 4. 4 is a push, anything over 4 you win, anything under 4 you lose, right? Yeah. Take either side. Chris, 85% of people who voted said that they want, they thought the bills would get more than four primetime games.
2: Yeah, I was, I was one of those people. I would have, for the schedule, I would have put Pittsburgh and Buffalo in primetime to complete the trilogy. We've seen them on Sunday Night Football the last two seasons. I would have done it again this year, complete the trilogy.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. This community Beer Works. Good neighbor. That picked that up
2: yesterday. I
1: dislike most of their beer. It's an American IPA, 6.7% 6, 6. alcohol by volume, but it's pretty good. It's drinkable and it has a... Fr- almost do
2: you, like you just kind of dislike it because the color of the can is... No, like, that's it's like an fr- Auburn Tiger
1: orange. It's got a fruit note on the end that I really like. This is a... I don't know if you guys can tell by the way I'm talking. I've had a couple of them. This is a drinkable beer. I do enjoy this. And I hate that I like it because I don't like that brewery. <laughs> The results of the poll indicate that a lot of you thought that we should have gotten more love. But let me tell you why that's flawed. First of all, look at the reverse of that NFC East dynamic. In terms of market sizes, we're the equivalent of a nine-year-old getting a seat at the adults' table during Thanksgiving. That alone should be seen as a W for Bills fans. Like, two years in a row, we got multiple primetime games. What do you say to that? I see you smirking over there.
2: Well, I'm... (laughs) I I like that we got four. I just wish it would have been split. Two on the road, two at home. I think the uh, three on the road, one at home is a slight slap in the face. It's like a slap in the face with a glove.
1: The lack of home primetime games is disappointing, but I think it speaks to the league's ability to maximize revenue in other stadiums and other markets compared to ours, which makes sense. Because we're a small market.
2: Yeah, well I mean you gotta look at who who our home opponents were. And you also
1: have to look at the fact that our state's travel restrictions are still in place. That's true. You gotta also
2: The factor, NFL has no idea in.
1: when that's gonna dry up. So if they're trying to maximize maximize potential revenue, it's not gonna happen here in Orchard Park. Thanks, Cuomo. I don't get political, but thanks for that. I appreciate that. But let's face it, we did pretty friggin' well, all things considered. Tying last year's total and snagging what might be the most fun game of the year, Thanksgiving Eve. I mean, Chris, you're ass out because there's no Thursday night football games.
2: Yeah. If there's a Thursday (laughs) night game, I'd have a good chance to go. Also Sunday night, but that would involve no tailgating.
1: Buffalo against Kansas City. Hey, drink. Take a drink. That's right, that's your penance. yeah, I can't I can't believe. I can't believe you're abandoning me for a full season of football.
2: Hey, we I get paid to work? I, hate you. I gotta make some sacrifices.
1: Yeah, sacrifice these right here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not gonna tell you people at home what I'm doing right now. Either way. <laughs> Buffalo versus Kansas City. It's a return of the scene to the crime. Return to the scene of the crime for Buffalo as they go back to Arrowhead. I have no doubt that Diggs is going to have that one circled in his head. Right? Yeah. The, the, that game, that's the reckoning. Right? It's not even revenge, it's about the wreck. It's like Tombstone. You know, he's, he's not about revenge. This is about the reckoning. <laughs> I can't wait for that football game. Because Kansas City's in a weird state of flux. Their offensive line just lost a lot of bodies,
2: and they also they signed Tooney, traded for that tackle from Baltimore. They also drafted Creed Humphrey.
1: Yeah. So you're going to start three brand new offensive linemen and just hope that your continuity pans out early on in an NFL season. You've also lost some skill position players. You've lost a little bit of defensive talent. It's interesting. It's just interesting to me. Like that's that. Like I said, the reckoning. That's what I'm. That's what I'm referring to that game as. Then you got Buffalo against Tennessee.
2: My thing. Whenever I see Buffalo Tennessee, the one thing I think about is friend of the show, Bill's flag holder, Greg Trelone, who's got a uh, he's got a YouTube page where he does. He just only does it during the season. And what was it like three years ago? We. Did a preview for the Titans game and said that they were going to beat him. And all these Titan fans just flooded his comments on that video saying how wrong he was. And Greg specifically went back through hundreds of comments to respond to each of them as petty as he can be. That's the only, like, when I see Buffalo, Tennessee, the only thing I think about is Greg Trelone and his video from a couple
0: years ago.
1: See, when I hear Buffalo, Tennessee, all I think of is Bud Adams giving the double middles to Bills fans in the stands, sitting directly outside of his box. And honestly, if you're an NFL owner, he took out a full-page ad in the Buffalo News to apologize for that. Wrong. If I had millions of dollars, I would do that on the regular to people, and I would never apologize. I would never say I'm sorry. I'm sure the NFL forced him to, but he's a crazy old man. He can do whatever he wants. (laughs) Chris, Chris, you've watched how I handle strangers in public. With a few million to fight a case in my pocket?
2: Yeah, you're pretty good (laughs) at it.
1: It would be incredible. I just think of that every time Buffalo-Tennessee. Tennessee is a team on the downswing. They've lost a lot of talent. I don't know what they are. I think that's a, that's another game where I don't know. I don't know if this is just like, is this a revenge tour for the Bills on primetime?
2: I think that'll definitely be a revenge game based on last season's game.
1: Then Thanksgiving, Buffalo against New Orleans. Thanksgiving is and always will be. About spending time with your family, breaking bread with people you care about, and football. That's it. That's what the day is. I didn't make the rules. I just lived by them. And it was so much fun watching the Bills play last time. I can't wait to run this one back. I mean, you're talking about a day that's already reserved in our family for pigskin and pumpkin pie, and now I get to watch them play a team led by Jameis Winston? Pigskin, pumpkin pie, and fighting in the kitchen. Nah, we saved that for Christmas. We saved that for Christmas. And there's no eye gouging and no close fisted punching in the face. Even though we're barbarians, my family has rules. <laughs> so, with this in mind, Buffalo versus New Orleans. How do you feel about that?
2: I like it. You know, uh, when I I see that on the schedule, my uh, mind kind of goes to our long snapper, Reed. Went to school at LSU. His wife's from Houston, not far away from New Orleans. Reed's from Atlanta. So they'll probably do some giant joint Thanksgiving in New Orleans. That'd be my guess.
1: And that's cool for him. I'm more looking at this like, well, last Thanksgiving game we played – We took the Negan approach from the Walking Dead to the Dallas Cowboys. We took them to the woodshed. Now you're going to line us up against a team that I don't know who their quarterback is. Is it Taysom Hill? Is it Jameis Winston? I don't even think they know. Also, I think this game, I'm hoping in my cold black heart that this is the referendum on Mickey Loomis playing loose and fast with the salary cap for the last decade. Oh, he had to cut $100 million worth of salary this offseason. They've hemorrhaged a lot of talented players. I hope this is the year that their chickens come home to roost. And I hope the Bills are there to just drive that. Because le- you figure it's, it's at the later point of the season where it's kind of in the middle but it's towards the end of November leading into December. This is where your season really starts to like, hey, we might not make it to the playoffs. I hope the Bills are the team to just crush Mickey Loomis's dream of keeping this nonsensical cap, Not just the, the BS that he's been running on for years. I hope the Bills are the ones to really put the boots to him on national TV so that everyone understands that what Loomis did you gotta stop. You can't, you can't run like this forever. Otherwise, you get dragged out in public and tarred and feathered like this. And then Buffalo against New England. It's crazy to think, due to changes in the TV deals allowing both Sunday night and Monday night football games to be flexed anytime after week 12, that if any one of our games might get flexed at a prime time, it would be against the Patriots. But here we are, it's the world we live in. By that point in the season, the Patriots might not have much to play for. You'd hope so. Oh, I'm hoping. I really am. Chris, the best individual games to attend. That's the other thing. I mean, not a single team on our home slate. Chris, what do you think about just all of this? I mean... What games jump out to you in terms of our opponents?
2: If I can go to a game, it's the Falcons. I fucking hate the Falcons. I hate their non-existing fans. I just hate the Falcons. I would love to go to that game and be near the— I'd love to—if somebody had tickets on the Falcons' sideline, I would love to have those seats first row just so I can just trash the Falcons' And just get real specific with about locations in Atlanta. <laughs> They'd be like, what is this? How does this person know about Flowery Branch and Friendship Road and Lake Lanier Islands, which is which is similar to that place in Grand Island? What is that? Fantasy Island? Fantasy Land? you making
1: fun of Martin's Fantasy Island? Yeah. I'll fight you.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Lake ah. Lanier Islands is is the equivalent of that. <laughs>
1: What's hilarious about this is that there's not much in the way of what, outside of Tennessee and Kansas City, there's not much in the way of payback games on the upcoming slate. I mean, obviously I gravitate towards a couple because those two, I mean, I'm petty, I'm vindictive, the same way you are. That's yeah. why we get along. That's why we do the show together. But so much of being at these games and the upcoming schedule is about being in the stadium and the atmosphere, so when I look at these games and I think about the ones that stand out to me just off the jump, uh, Pittsburgh versus Buffalo, week one. I've already seen the social media boobirds out in force about this one, but I love it for a number of reasons. First of all, it's an elite tailgating opportunity. Everyone is amped because it's week one, right? Yeah. Even if your team was 1-0 and you're – throwing your first tailgate of the year week two there's a different there's almost like a more relaxed attitude about it right yeah but entering the first week of the season i mean the weather's great you can get there at 6 a.m set everything up early you don't have to wear a jacket i mean anytime chris how often do i end up shirtless these things
2: a lot of the time so
1: yeah that's, anytime i can be in shorts with a sh- without a shirt Cargo a shorts beer in my hand Life is good And so to know that I can do that At a Bills game early on And that you have that anticipation And then everyone in the lot Is just so Everyone's so excited Because they haven't gotten to watch football Real football Get played In person In, in person In how long What like two years Yeah So that game is Being week one is important to me. I love that. Week three, Washington at Buffalo. The return of Ryan Fitzpatrick. We thought it might come with the Dolphins week 17 because Tua sucks. But (laughs) he's going to be quarterbacking the Redskins. Who else do they have? I mean, Tyler Heineke. Didn't they cut the guy they drafted in the first round?
2: Yeah, uh, Dwayne Haskins. He's in Pittsburgh. I think your backup is Heineke.
1: They have a sneaky good roster and a really solid defense. That could be one of the stiffer tests the Bills get early on before our primetime games. Fitzpatrick always plays Buffalo with a chip on his shoulder. Always. So you know if he's under center, he's going to give you a game to watch. And it's the Redskins, so maybe uh, Preston... uh,
2: Yeah, from Baltimore.
1: Maybe Preston and his friends, maybe they'll make the trek up for this one and just hopefully I don't get drugged by, I guess, myself. Yeah. I think we determined, we still have yet to determine who drugged me during that. It's probably you. (laughs) But
2: yeah, if they want to come up, there's going to be some tickets available. I won't be at that game.
1: But that's it. Like, I'm hoping that we'll get to see them. Yeah. And then, week four, Houston against Buffalo. Hello, ladies.
2: <laughs> Chris
1: stuck deep to find that one. Oh, my God.
2: Yeah. Do we have, what, are, what are our mas- massage parlor situation in, uh, in Buffalo?
1: Here's what I know. Th- this game could be the potential return of Tyrod Taylor to Buffalo. OK, it's been flirted with in the past, but rookies kept stealing Tyrod's job. I mean, obviously, we all understand the reason that that scenario would play out. I'm not going to articulate it because, Chris, the way you're staring at me while well, you throttle that down. Yeah, going to write that on down. Oh, it really is just a crazy situation. In Do you think if, if
2: Watson's playing that he has enough time to get to Niagara Falls? Because that's probably where you find those
1: the best ones. Oh my God, we're going to get canceled for this podcast. And I don't care. Listen, we bring it. Ultimately, their team, whether he because he's traded or because he's suspended, I don't think we're going to be seeing Deshaun Watson. No. So with that in mind, Tyrod Taylor in Buffalo. I mean. That, that could be back-to-back weeks of former Bills quarterbacks. Kind of funny, right? Yeah. And October means optimal football weather. And with that in mind, considering the makeup of Houston the, the David Culley, do you remember that whole debacle about the national the people reaching out to guys from Buffalo being like, hey, what do you know about David Culley? And they're just like, well, he's a great guy. Well, what do you think about him as a coach? He's a great guy. <laughs> Yeah. He's a good person. He means well.
2: It's like that's. it's, it's kind of like when you uh when uh you get like one of your friends wants to set you up with somebody and you're like, "Oh, well, like tell me about her. Oh, she's real fun." So she's fat.
1: <laughs> Jesus Christ.
2: That's what I get.
1: We are going to get canceled for this
2: podcast. Hey, that's uh, from my own experience.
1: Shut down in a blaze
0: of glory.
2: That's what that's <laughs> what it reminds me of. It's, you know, like back in my early 20s when somebody tries to set me, oh, she's real fun and real nice. She's
1: real
0: fun. She's so she's nice. fat.
1: This could be one of those afternoons where you party early, party during, and then ease on home with a W in your back pocket and do some re- do some relaxing on the couch with some couch beers and a little Sunday night football. That Houston game just it stands out to me as one of those games where we could have a lot of fun at the game. And then week 13, New England versus Buffalo. Monday Night Football in Orchard Park is wild. I mean, Depending on how the outcome, I was at that Dallas game. Oh, the field goal? I saw some nonsense. Yeah. I saw a kid in a Dallas jersey flipping off to his, re- alone, walking through the parking lot, just flipping the double birds, yelling, ask the Bills. And a closed can of beer comes flying out of the darkness and hits the kid in the side of the head and just drops him. I kept walking because I was like, well, that's not my problem. Yeah. I didn't didn't throw it. I didn't throw it, and I also didn't call down the thunder. I saw an SUV full of fans, uh, one guy hanging out the back window, waving a TO jersey like a bull flag out the back window, yelling, F the Bills. And then they got stopped at the corner light by Abbott. And what is it, Abbott and uh, California Road? Yep. And like two guys run off the sidewalk and start punching that guy in who's holding the jersey in the face. So the guy in the passenger seat of the SUV gets out to try to break up the fight and three more guys run off the sidewalk and start beating the three of like now it's now it's 5 on 2. So the driver of the SUV gets out and five more guys run and, run and, and now it's just a melee and the cops are running and the whole time I'm like what is happening here? This is a state of emergency That's Monday Night Football Here in Buffalo In a game that ends really closely And poorly like that So it's a wild time And the tailgates start at around noon Which I almost think Directly feeds into that kind of behavior I think it's a revenge game From the last time we played them On Monday Night Football Do you remember that? Do you remember who our quarterback was for that game? Derek Anderson. And Josh Allen was injured. Derek Anderson came out and we kicked one field goal through three quarters of play. I remember that
2: game because whether you want to admit it or not, your wife came to the game with us. You two argued, and then Super Mexican had an extra ticket and I went and sat with him. Oh, Super Mexican saved you. Saved my yeah. No,
1: I got I got belligerent. I'll admit that. I, yeah, because
2: got a little overserved. I don't. I don't remember Potter being there for it for Monday. I mean, I don't know what his work situation was with getting that day off, coming from Rochester to Buffalo for that a Monday night game. What I, I what think I it remember- was just you, me, and your wife. And I was like, I'm, I can't do this. And mm-hmm. I DM Super Mexican and went and sat with him.
1: What I remember is that the Bruce Smith retirement ceremony was the only part of the game that was watchable. Was it Thurman or Bruce? I want to say it was Bruce Smith. I want to say it was
2: Thurman. Call in if you know.
1: Call in if you know. Interesting to see how many Patriots fans make the trip now that there's questions regarding whether or not that team can even compete without a Hall of Fame quarterback.
2: <laughs> yeah, it'd be interesting if the uh, the guy that uh, hangs out in our lot in the mud lot that has season tickets. Oh yeah. If he comes.
1: Oh, I'm sure he will. He's been coming since what since we've had seasons. I've, I've had him for 10 years. He's been there before me. But he says he goes owning season tickets for the Buffalo Bills and coming here to see the Patriots, then play the Dolphins, then play the Jets. He comes for all the divisional games, and then he sells the rest of his tickets. And he said that he breaks even on bringing his wife, his kids, all the tailgating equipment, all the supplies, all the food, everything else he breaks even every year. Whereas to take his wife and kids to one game in Foxborough costs more than that. How crazy is that? It's insane. Prices. And then I'd be remiss if, I mean, Chris, I guess we got to get to it because we have to give our fans something that isn't just us bloviating about us hating other teams. The competitive layout of the schedule. I'd be remiss if we didn't look at it considering it's the angle probably most tangible or related to actual football that we're going to talk about here tonight. When you look at the start of the Bills' season, okay? I'll address week one since people already complained about it. The start against Pittsburgh is really advantageous for us. They're a well-coached, defensively strong AFC team. That's always a problem. I mean, did people forget that with Duck Hodges... At the helm, they were still 9-7 and and competing with us for a wildcard spot. Have people forgotten about that?
2: Yeah, Duck Hodges.
1: So they're always going to be in our way in terms of conference standings. Because their defense, the way they draft, the way they organize their team, they're always going to be strong on that side of the ball. Even if they get mediocre offense, they'll hang around. And that's a problem. Catching them early is a good thing because they've got a new offensive line, a rookie quarterback, and a new offensive system that these— rookie know. running back. Yeah, rookie running back, a quarterback who's old, a quarterback who's probably facing—is this his last year? I mean— he
3: Possibly. Fl-
1: he flirted with retirement last year. He's in his late
2: 30s, but based on his career path
1: mileage it's yeah a based job on his mentality. mileage
2: he's like 50
1: it's the indiana jones line it's not the years it's the miles that guy might as well be 50 so in that regard this might be his last hurrah do you think he goes out like uh, peyton manning or do you think he goes out like brett Favre? which which is more likely
2: brett Favre throwing a pick
1: okay and he's trying to translate to a new offensive system a vertical passing game instead of a West Coast offense. That doesn't sound like something you'd want to do when your offensive line is wildly unsettled. But they're doing it, and it'd be hilarious to catch them early. Outside of Pittsburgh, the rest of the early portion of the schedule lays out like this for me, anyway. The Houston situation is murky, because Watson might be traded or suspended for that game, meaning Tyrod could be starting. And because of the suspect roster and the head coach, that I mean, David Culley, he shouldn't be coaching. No, they made him a punching bag. He's gonna, he's going. They're gonna crucify him the way the Sabers crucified Ted Nolan. Yeah, that's gonna end poorly. From a quarterback head coaching and roster perspective, when you look at our early slate of opponents, it's a mixed bag. But I like the way it lays out. We have one quarterback in Patrick Mahomes who you'd consider elite. And two in the form of what? uh, Roethlisberger and Titans quarterback. Ryan Ryan Tannehill. Tannehill. Who you'd say are above average at this point in their careers. Yes. Okay. From week one to week seven, we played just two teams that have won a playoff game since 2016. Now, some people will say that doesn't matter, but I think it indicates that those teams, they're not established as contenders. They haven't done a good job at roster building to this point, and they're trying to catch up. And of them, Houston and Kansas City have undergone some turnover at critical positions. We've talked about Kansas City shuffling their offensive line, how they've lost wide receiver talent. Houston has massive losses at both the skill positions and and on the defense, I don't know what, I don't know how they feel. The competitive team this year. The Bills had a schedule from a practical standpoint that, in many ways, looked a lot like this one last year. And over that span, they started six and two, with their two losses coming against the same two teams that I just talked about: Kansas City and Kansas City and Tennessee. Teams that I don't know. I'm not. I'm not afraid of. But they put up W's over some other talented teams in the process, LA and Vegas respectively, while handling more influx teams on their schedule like New York and Miami. For a team with Buffalo's level of continuity at critical positions on the field and on the sidelines, I think I have to say that that's a pretty solid way to start the NFL season. Because well, you're going to get some stiff comp- competition from a couple teams. You're getting that out of the way early enough that as the season goes on, you can recover should something go wrong. Is that a fair assessment of the early slate?
2: Yeah, it is. I like how our early schedule lays out. It's very winnable as we look at it on paper.
1: Now, I look at the middle portion of the season, and I say there's some notable stretches, and I look at the bye week. That's where my eyes go next. I can't pretend I'm a fan of a week seven bye. I mean, the season is 18 weeks now. So
2: week nine would be the middle, so we're close to the middle.
1: You're close, but it's, it's not really close when you look at what comes after that. There's this gross midseason stretch where the Bills have to play one home game in six weeks. I mean, week five to week 11, you have one home game with two, two games on national TV mixed in there. The Bills did well on the road in 2020. I mean, they went 6-2, but they didn't play more than two in a row away from Ralph Wilson Stadium at any point in the year. It's going to be interesting to see how the team prepares for that. It's also also notable to my eye that the team's was seemingly the most turnover from last year to this year, including four with brand new quarterbacks that will play in consecutive weeks all got pushed down the schedule to November, meaning that they're going to get time to gel with their skill position players. They're going to get time to adapt to the NFL, to adapt to their surroundings. I mean, look at this. You have two—in that span, you're going to have two rookie quarterbacks and head coaches in weeks 9 and 10 in Jacksonville and the the Jets. Jets. The Colts with Wentz, and the fact that they have massive offensive line and defensive line changes— the Saints, this massive purge for cap space that they've had to undergo, and the fact that they're putting Jameis Winston in to replace Drew Brees. Nice. This can be both a good and a bad thing. I mean, teams like Indianapolis and New Orleans will have had time to iron They have good coaches. So they're yeah. going to have time to iron out the wrinkles in their play calling, and their quarterbacks are going to have time to develop a relationship with their skill players does it develop does it develop far enough that it presents a challenge to buffalo i don't know but it's worth noting that we don't play them until they've gotten their legs under them at the same time there's going to be more tape available on both of the rookie quarterbacks that is going to make game planning
2: you're talking about jacksonville and new york you know after the bye week and lawrence and wilson getting chemistry developed with their skill position players don't you think by then our defensive line will have some chemistry, considering I, we'll have a lot of new pieces?
1: Well, I, I. You're not wrong. That's actually a really. See, Chris, look at you being smart about football.
2: Plus, we got McDermott. I, somebody call. If you know McDermott's record against rookie QBs, call in. Let us know. Well,
1: you guys remember the Bilichick stat from earlier in the podcast? Twenty, I think 21 and 6. Something like that against rookies. That happens because rookies, they have proficiencies that carry over, but you you can take them away if you know what they are. It's a slow process to build them into productive quarterbacks. And so in that way, I mean, look at what the Bills did last year. Justin Herbert was red hot. And then he came into Buffalo and they, I mean, we won. It it was a back and forth game. Yeah. But we won ultimately because we took away the, the deep ball and the fact that Herbert was looking for his receivers downfield and we took them away. And
2: they had Anthony Lynn, so time management was an issue.
1: <laughs> that You're not wrong. That actually reared its Ted. That was bad. But it's hard for those rookies to seamlessly pivot their games and adapt. So that stretch there, to me, is probably one of the most advantageous on the schedule, given that those teams could all still be struggling to find their identity, their strengths, their weaknesses. And if the Bills were going to make a real run to bolster the, like, hey, We're in the upper echelon of the AFC East, or AFC, point blank and period. That's, I think, where it's going to come. Because those guys are all vulnerable. (sighs) There's a lot of things to like about this. And when you look at the back end of the schedule, I've got to say I'm I'm even happier at the back end than I was at the beginning of it. Chris, you see my bullet points.
2: Yeah, we got a primetime matchup against New England. Is it going to be Cam Newton? Is it going to be Mac
1: Jones? Who knows? It depends on how their season goes. I mean, there's no telling who the Patriots quarterback is going to be by the time we see them on Monday Night Football. In rookie quarterbacks, if they do decide, hey, our season's going to shit, we need to pivot to Mac Jones. Let's throw him out there, see if he's a, if he's the spark we need. Rookie quarterbacks don't fare well out of the gate in the NFL. It'll be our fifth time playing New England around Christmas weekend. How crazy is that? Crazy. Why do they do this to us? Save the best for last? <laughs> yeah, but traditionally it hasn't been the best. It's actually just ruined my weekends.
2: Yeah, that is true, but I mean <laughs> like I remember tides have been changing.
1: I remember a Christmas Eve, right? A Christmas Eve going to my wife's my wife's family Christmas party. It was the Kelvin Benjamin, like, oh, hey, he's a, it's a touchdown, but we don't know. We don't know why they called it not a touchdown. And the ref got caught on the sideline telling McDermott that. At halftime of that game, I told my wife, pack it up. We're going to your families. I don't need to see any more of this. And then they turn on the TV. Obviously, they have the Bills game on at her family's party. And I'm trying to ignore it. And someone comes in and goes, hey, aren't you friends with that Reed Ferguson guy? I go, yeah. And they go, he just got cheap-shotted by some guy in their defensive line, and I think he hurt his ankle. And I'm just like, you sons of bitches. <laughs> <laughs> I'll hate New England forever. And it's it's a million, it's like a million paper cuts that'll never heal. I'll hate them until the day I die. <laughs> and it's because of stuff like that. But in this go round, I don't think that it... I just don't see how that game is threatening to us. We're at home. We have a Patriots team that, by that point, might just be on the ropes. Yeah, we don't know how that's going to play out. (laughs) I mean, depending on who's under center, that thing could be a disaster. We close the final five-week run against just one team that's currently in the top two in terms of being favored by Vegas to win their respective divisions. That's Tampa Bay. Everyone else is at the basement. Depending on how things go with New England and their quarterback situation, we can end up playing a group of teams that features one Hall of Famer in Tom Brady, one solid veteran with a middling roster around him in Matt Ryan, one quarterback who got traded away by his previous franchise because he didn't develop in Sam Darnold. And two rookies. Are are you worried? I mean, back-to-back home games, and three of our final four are in our house.
2: Yeah, I'm good with it.
1: That's a pretty soft landing for a Bills team that if they can replicate last year's success, especially late in the season. I mean, Chris, that stretch of primetime games last year had me just agonizing over it. I was—you knew how tense I was. Yeah. So tense I drank how many Molsonizes? Six or seven?
2: Something I, I forgot, how much you drank.
1: Enough to give me what felt like alcohol poisoning, even though it wasn't. Because Molson Ice, I mean, it's garbage. If you drink that, you're trash. I mean, it's not your fault. You're you're just garbage. And it's okay. We still, we still appreciate you for who and what you are. <sighs> Man, but if we could hit that final stretch, I don't know. You're looking at opportunities to either rest your starters or pad your total en route to a Maybe a bye week, maybe or maybe just a home wild card game that fans can actually attend. Yeah. Your final thoughts on the schedule, Chris.
2: Uh, I kind of like it. Um, you know, for me, the tough stretch on the schedule looks like Kansas City and then Tennessee, both on the road, both in prime time. But then after that we get a bye, which is also nice. I I like how this kind of plays out, everything's spread out. I would say if you would have thrown Tampa Bay in with Kansas City, Tennessee, Tampa Bay in a stretch of three, that would be that would be brutal. But I like I like the schedule. Of, uh the Carolina game in December, all that it's got's got a uh T B D time. It's either gonna be a Saturday or Sunday. So
1: I think it's hopefully done. Hopefully it's for on me Sunday.
2: No, for me, hopefully it's Saturday, Saturday night because then I can make the game. But in order work. for that
1: to happen, that team would have to be competitive. Well, I don't know how that happens.
2: This is what Josh Allen's going into his fourth year. Yes. So, I mean, Sam Darnold's in Carolina now, so he's got two years to get him to the Super Bowl oh, so that bet can play out. I need Carolina to be good. Put that on Saturday night so I can go to the game.
1: Uh, I'll say this. As a podcaster, these primetime games are always hard because it's a short turnaround in terms of the life life cycle of a content creator. I mean, you watch game. You drink and rage over said game. You digest said game over a couple beers. Then you sober up. you, You go to sleep. You wake up. Then you analyze said game and then a day or two later after that you discuss said game all of that gets condensed when prime time is involved
2: yeah like the titans or the uh the patriots on monday night having to do it less than 24 hours later
1: yeah it's not fun it's an interesting task and it's gonna be funny to see how we navigate that this upcoming season as a season ticket holder, I think this game plays out well. This season, Jesus Christ. This season lays out well for us. You've got you've got a, a good homestand of winnable games at the back end of the schedule. When the weather's cold and opponents are really gonna be miserable showing up here, at the same time, early on, you have a slate of winnable games that are gonna be fun to attend. And the weather's going to be nice. You have a bunch of home games. Chris, I think this is the best of both worlds, right? Yeah. Your winter games, yeah, it sucks that you're there when it's cold and it's snowy. Maybe there's a blizzard. But at least they're winnable looking games. That'll get people in the stands. Yeah. If it was harder, maybe they wouldn't show up. Or maybe if they thought it was going to be a blowout, it wouldn't show up. The fact that these guys are going to be borderline competitive enough to to, to fill a stadium, that'll be fun. And then, is someone rooting for a home playoff game, I like the competitive layout of the schedule. I don't like the early bye week. But, all things considered, we play two of our three hardest matchups early in the season. And we have a lot of time to rebound from that. Yeah. I like it. And I like the fact that none of our divisional opponents clog up our schedule at the end. So we'll know where we stand in the division come like what, like week 13?
2: Yeah, I'd say by middle, end of November. The, uh, the last thing I'll, I'll leave you with looking at the schedule and based on teams coming here. And when I say teams, I mean other people involved with the teams. So, right now, it seems that Saturday, October 30th, if things play out correctly, we'll be having drinks with Travis Wingfield. Any chance that we dress up as him? I don't know if we can get as skinny as him and wear like a... Do they make chinless prosthetics (laughs) to make it look like you don't have a chin?
1: Are you trying to reduce your chin size? Yeah.
2: Yeah. How to reduce your chin size so I can we can go have drinks with Travis the night before the game. I just dress up as Travis.
1: I would love to see you in teal chinos. Like you'd be one of the, I hate your chinos, I hate your slide on shoes and your stupid hair. <laughs> but if you did it in dolphins colors just to troll like the Chris Brown of the Miami Dolphins, I would love every second of it. Yeah. Nothing would make me happier.
2: Yeah, we might be able to, I mean, that would be easier to pull off if we played in them in September rather than in the fall because those colors don't generally work <laughs> with the fashion cycle in the fall.
1: See, now I just want to hit you. I just want to hit you with this chair. Folks, we're going to get the hell out of here before I assault my producer. There's been, this has been fun, I think. <laughs> And there's been plenty of speculation and analysis regarding the schedule, and it's going to come out over the next week or two. All the smart people are going to take this and run with it. But with free agency, the draft, and the schedule release now behind us, we're on the verge of a long series of months with no real actual football news to talk about. Or what Dusty from that awful tornado chaser movie Twister would call the suck zone. A two-month period where everything is awful. But before we close the book on this chapter of the 2020-2021 season, I've got a final petty nail to drive into this coffin. Tune in tomorrow night, or maybe tonight, depending on when you listen to this podcast, as we sit down with Pat Moran. Because where hashtag draft season ends... We here at the Rockpile Report believe hashtag accountability season begins with our mocking the 2021 mock drafts. That's right, we hate them so much, we decided that the folks who think that throwing them around for publicity and social media clout, we'd score them, we'd discuss the, the results, identify some winners, and chastise the losers. So with that in mind, Tune in next week, but for now, I'm, I'm Drew Gear, that's Chris Krueger, and this has been your Rockpile Report.
3: Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time tested gift around a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried and true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site wide during their Mother's Day sale.